You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat Bellarmine 73-49 to in their second exhibition game of the season, their final tune-up before opening the season next Friday against Kansas. And I think this was everything that you wanted to see in a tune-up for Indiana. No, the shooting wasn't great. Uh, And the the outside shooting as a team wasn't even good. But that's really the only blight on what was a really, really solid performance by Indiana, especially on the defensive end. And we will break it all down for you tonight on this episode of The Assembly Call. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined by Ryan Phillips and Will DeWitt. Andy has the night off tonight, but he will be back for next week's game against Kansas. Uh, And let's begin tonight's show, as we always do, with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for me, the Hoosier Proud banner moment came uh, early in the second half when OG Ananobi scored his 22nd point. And it was 22 to 21 OG against Bellerman. <laughs> OG was outscoring Bellerman all by himself. And I tell you, we saw from OG tonight everything on display the full arsenal of the new and improved weaponized OG Ananobi. He was just out of this world tonight, making three pointers, driving to the basket, playing good defense, getting offensive rebounds. And what he showed tonight that I thought was so impressive was a mentality to dominate. Obviously, you know, OG taller than most of the players out there for Bellarmine, clearly more athletic than the players out there for Bellarmine. And it would be easy for a guy uh, of his hype and his kind of stature coming into the season and his athletic ability to coast in a game like this. But he didn't. He was out there and looked to me on every possession like he wanted to dominate. And that's kind of the mentality that we've been seeing from him in the snippets of scrimmages that we've seen, even in that first game against Hope College. But what's also come with it have been turnovers. And we saw in the Hope College game, he had five turnovers, which really cuts down on his efficiency. Well, tonight for the game, OG only had one turnover, didn't have any turnovers in the first half. And for the game, finishes with 25 points on 10 of 11 shooting. At one point, he was nine for nine uh, in a performance that would make Will Sheehy proud. Uh, obviously, you remember what Sheehy did against Purdue. That's basically what OG was doing tonight. But 25 points, six boards, four of them offensive, two assists, had a block, two steals, only the one turnover. This is the OG Ananobi that is ready to be a go-to primetime player. We talked on our radio show earlier this week. You know, is OG a guy who's ready to be a primetime go-to player? And all of us were a little bit hesitant to say yes. But if he plays like he did tonight, and again, the competition is going to get better. It's not always going to be Bellerman on the other side, although Bellerman is no slouch. But OG will face up against guys who are as athletic as him. But what was so great to see tonight were, were the skills, which we've seen in all the snippets of IU basketball that we've seen so far this offseason, 
the mentality, but the efficiency and the ability to to protect the ball, not turn it over. This was a spectacular performance by OG Ananobi and about as auspicious a beginning uh, to a season as you could have. And he looks like a guy who's ready to go out in Hawaii against Kansas on Friday night and make a statement that he's one of the best players in college basketball. And if he plays like that, Indiana can be one of the best teams in college basketball. So when it comes to the banner moment, I don't think there's anything that was more impressive on an individual basis than what we saw OG Ananobi do tonight. And of course, tonight's banner moment is brought to you as it always is this season on the assembly call by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. If you consider yourself a Hoosier and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com. Connor and his team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their product so much that we even moved production of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts to Hoosier Proud because they produce high-quality work, care about their customers, and take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All righty, well, let's move the ball, get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Ryan, your rant, sponsored by TheBigLead.com. Uh, yeah, I thought the biggest uh, thing about this game for me was the defense. I thought the defense was super active. I thought they were causing turnovers. Everybody was involved, seeming to sort of have that singular goal of stopping the other team as opposed to just everybody engaged on their man. I, I thought that everybody had active hands, active feet. I mean, they they really, I mean, they held a good Bellarmine team to 49 points in an exhibition game, which is very impressive. Uh, but instead of just the usual suspects like OG Ananobi and Juwan Morgan, you had everybody involved. Josh Newkirk looked fantastic defensively. Uh, James Blackman Jr. also was very good, uh, you know, standing out as some guys that we don't normally talk about defensively. Uh, and, and then I thought Thomas Bryant, uh, Durant Davis, uh, Freddie McSwain when he was in there, uh, I, I thought they all sort of showed at different times that they could play and that they could you know, stop a team, not just a player, but a team defensively. And I thought that everybody helped out and played very well. And uh, I thought I thought that showed in the final score. I think that Bellerman really was never comfortable offensively. And and it started for Indiana from from the get-go, really. And holding a team like that to 22% from three, 35% from from the field is uh, is impressive in an exhibition game where that team had nothing to lose. So um, on top of that, I thought, We'll get into this, but I thought the offense at times looked very out of sorts, uh, you know, and just kind of wild and and sort of having fun with it instead of really focusing on getting better. So uh, a couple couple positives, couple negatives. Again, as we said after the first one against Hope College, this was an exhibition game and it played out like an exhibition game. But I thought the defense was really encouraging. Yeah, you know, and an interesting number, you know, in both this this year's game and last year's game against Bellarmine, Indiana scored 73 points. And obviously we know that last year's Indiana team turned out to be pretty darn good uh, from an offensive standpoint. The difference is Indiana gave up 62 last year, this year only 49 uh, with that offensive efficiency of just 0.73 points per possession for Bellarmine. So uh, really good job defensively. Will, let's go over to you, get your stat of the night. Hopefully I didn't just steal it. Uh, and Will's stat of the night brought to us by the Bears Brothers. 
I mean, kind of, but we guess uh, different sites. We have kind of conflicting uh, reports anyway. Uh, mine points per possession is 0.681. So it's a little bit lower there for Bellarmine. So I'll take that one. But yeah, I mean, really, I'm just kind of echoing here the defensive prowess that IU showed tonight. Uh, you know, Bellarmine scored, like I said, the 0.681 points per possession. They only scored 31.9% of their possessions, only scoring 23 of 72 possessions. And on top of that, IU forced Bellarmine into turnovers 27.8% of the time. I and mean, all those stats put together just prove how well Indiana was playing on defense. And then another fun stat, just to end this real quick, is going to be uh, Bellerman led for a grand total of 0.00 seconds tonight, which is always good to see. Yeah, it is. And I tell you, that's the other big number for me is, and Andy talked about this in the postgame show against Hope College. You know, Indiana won all of the between TV timeout segments against Hope College, except for the two to start the game. And of course, we know that, uh, you know, Tom Cream played around with his starting lineup, having Juwan Morgan and Zach McRoberts start both the first and second half against Hope. And Indiana really seemed to struggle. Tonight, Josh Newkirk and Robert Johnson got the start in both halves, and Indiana came out ready to play and ready to dominate. Uh, both halves. They won the first half, the first four minutes, seven to two. Uh, and then in the second half, won it nine to nothing on just a great run uh, to start there. So that was really nice to see. That was one of my keys coming in tonight was how would Indiana start both halves? And tonight they did a much, much better job. We're going to talk a lot about defense, uh, uh, Ryan. And, and you know, I, I want to make a claim and I want you to tell me if I'm kind of making a crazy claim. But you know, from when you have OG, you know, a bulldog like Robert Johnson, a guy like Newkirk, even a guy like Deron Davis, who is really proving himself to be an instinctive and active defender, even early as a freshman. I think this team is setting up to be a team that will play the passing lanes and get steals and breakouts, but play the passing lanes more aggressively than any team that Tom Crean has had, which is really going to help lead, uh, have defense lead to offense. Do you get that same sense from this team that that's going to be a real driver for their success on defense? Well, Jared, I just want to check in with you real quick. Did you just say that you think Deron Davis might be better than his overall ranking in recruiting? And do you know anybody who predicted that coming into the season? I'm just curious. I'm uh, uh, somebody said something about that on the show. Maybe Andy? Uh, no, I think that I think one thing about Indiana, and you might be I think you're right. I, I think that this is this is going to be a very good the, the one thing about Indiana, they're very athletic, which we're used to with Hoosier teams, you know, on and off. Um, you know, pretty much every year they're at least pretty darn athletic. It's it's whether or not it's well directed athleticism, I think is is a good way to put it. But this team is so long. I mean, they they all seem to have long arms, you know, big hands, you know, very active feet, and and you know, just a lot of length, and and so that's really hard to face when you're when you're an offensive player, especially. I mean, look for a Bellarmine team. Bellarmine's never faced a team this with this much length before. I guarantee it. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Guys like Deron Davis, uh, Freddie McSwain. Um, you know, Josh Newkirk, they're going to add an element to this team that maybe we didn't have as much of last year. Remember last year, you know, we had a relatively small point guard who, God, he tried really hard, but but he he had a tough time at, at times. I think he was our best defensive player, but at times he had difficulty matching up with some taller point guards. And and I don't think that's going to be a problem this year. And I think that 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 point guards are going to be harassed from the time they get the ball to the time they bring it up court. And I think that's a big difference and a big change. And and maybe something we didn't expect coming into this year because we had uh, Yogi Ferrell was a good defensive point guard. <laughs> But it's a new look. It's a different look having that much size to go up there. So, you know, you look at uh, Robert Johnson, Devontae Davis, guys like that who are about 6'3, 6'4. 
but they're long and they're bulldogs, as you said. I mean, they just go after it constantly. And that's different. And that's a tougher thing to face, especially when you have to worry about that. Then length on the back end, like Indiana hasn't had in a while with Thomas Bryant, uh, Juwan Morgan, uh, Deron Davis, all those guys. That's something Indiana hasn't had for a while. And maybe throughout the entire length of Tom Crean's tenure is effective length uh, and, and depth with effective length. And so it does change things defensively. And I think you're right. And I think that it's it's better at both the guard and the post positions. It's just a matter of getting them together and getting them to play like a team as opposed to guys just focused on individual stuff. And what we saw tonight, it looked like guys playing team defense. Yeah. We're going to talk about James Blackman Jr. here in a second. A uh, bit of a mixed bag for him tonight. 0 of 7 from downtown. Uh, signs of concern for James Blackman Jr. are actually signs of progress. We're going to talk about that here in just one second. But first, I want to take a quick moment, tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek, who we're so happy to have back with us this year on the Assembly Call. You know, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that really does make it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets, which is why SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert, because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. It's a really, really cool feature of their app and website. And best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So to get your $20 rebate on tickets, Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y today. All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Will DeWitt. We are breaking down Indiana's 73-49 to victory tonight over Bellarmine. And guys, let's talk about James Blackman Jr. real quick because this is a game where, on the one hand, James went 0-7 from downtown. And we've talked about how important he is as a guy who needs to make shots for this Indiana team, a team that you know, we kind of project to be a team that will struggle at times in the half court, especially if defense isn't leading to offense and if they're not getting runouts. And Ryan, you alluded to this a little bit earlier where Indiana's half court offense seemed to bog down a bit at times. And James is going to be that guy that late in shot clocks is going to need to make shots tonight. 0 of 7 from downtown, you know, 3 of 12. He was able to, to get himself involved there in the second half and get some buckets. So maybe a little bit of concern there for shooting, although it's James Blackman Jr., so I never really worry about his shooting. I just kind of look at it as he got all of his misses out of the way in this game and all of his misses out of the way for the Kansas game, and so he'll be ready to go. But what I was impressed with is he didn't let the poor shooting affect him on defense. He was engaged on defense, uh, diving for loose balls, um, you know, and and I'd never got the sense that he was hunting shots, except for maybe in the second half when he was hunting ways to get involved better on offense and started driving and finding other ways to get involved. And so to me, you can look at that 0 for 7 and take it as a sign of concern. I actually take this as a sign of progress and maturity from James that he shot that poorly from downtown, but it didn't affect the other parts of his games as maybe sometimes it has in the past. Ryan, uh, what did you see from James tonight? 
I think that freshman James Blackman would have turned that 0 of 7 into 0 of 14. Um, I think that this is a much more mature guy we're dealing with. And you're right. He was active defensively. He didn't let his lack of shooting and the lack of points affect the rest of his game. I thought he was looking for his teammates. I thought he was connected to the rest of the team, as Tom Crean always uses that word. Are we connected? And and I thought he was looking for... The shots he took, most of them were open. It wasn't like he was really forcing anything. And a few of them were really close rim outs and things like that. And, you know, usually that means a guy's not holding his finish. He's He might be rushing a little. You know, little tiny details that can be repaired. This isn't you know, a huge disaster for him. And we saw this a couple times with Nick Zaislav last year on his three-point shot. He'd go a game where he'd miss a bunch, and then he'd come back the next week and be fine. Shooters go through hot and cold streaks. The key is what else do they add? With Nick Zaislav, until the end of last year, he didn't really add a whole lot else other than being able to knock down shots. He became a much better defender as the year went on. Now we're seeing with James Blackman that he's active, he's out there, he's moving the ball on offense. Uh, you know, when he doesn't have a wide open shot, he's moving the ball, he's looking for his teammates. He had a couple assists tonight, something we don't usually associate with JBJ. But uh, yeah, so I thought it was a very good night for James Blackman, despite the misses. And maybe it's even a better night because of the misses and how involved he was. Now, obviously, regular season, you want him hitting. 40% of his three-point shots every every night. I mean, you're going to have to rely on that. But it was a positive to see that he didn't just fall apart because his threes weren't going in, and you didn't feel like he wasn't involved at all, and he was taking himself out of the game by missing those shots. Well, what did you see from James tonight? I mean, guys, we also have to take this kind of with a grain of salt just because he's missed so much time. I mean, granted, he played well last week against Pope College, but he's still coming back off a lot of time missed. It's just going to take him a while to get used to, you know, competition level. And obviously Bellarmine, I mean, they as well have, you know, a higher competition level compared to Hope College, especially on defense. So I can see that being, you know, not like Jared, like he said, it's not a bad thing, but again, hopefully for Kansas, he got all those misses out of the way. And then even on defense, you guys kind of hit on all the points, very active. I mean, it took a couple of years under Crean, but I think he's kind of got the memo, you know, the play defense and how Jared, how you like to say, you know, defense creates offense. And I think he's starting to get that. I mean, he showed that today. He had the one steal, you know, four defensive rebounds. And I think he really proved today that he can be a difference maker on defense, something that we couldn't say a couple seasons back. Yeah, great points. And I tell you what I think it is. I think in James, especially his freshman year, uh, and certainly early in his sophomore year, when he was out there playing, he would look around and there would be one, maybe a couple of other guys not really engaged on defense. When he looks around now, if he's not playing on defense, he's going to be the only one out there because Robert Johnson is and Josh Newkirk is and OG Ananobi is and Juwan Morgan is and, you know, Thomas is and the freshmen, when they get out there, they are. I mean, there's just, you know, it, it is a we thought that this may be a more defense-driven team, and we're going to have to see regular season games. I get that. But just what we've seen, there seems to be a different mentality uh, just among the players on this team. And I think, you know, that's we're seeing that, and, and certainly James has adopted it as well. Well, I think that also if you look at it, it when he was a freshman to now, and maybe you saw some of this last year, but guys hadn't stepped up yet. But this year, if he's not playing defense, he's not going to be on the floor. We needed his scoring the last two years at the points where he was playing, uh, especially early in the season last year. His scoring was it was incredibly important to this team. If he's not playing defense now, you got uh, you know 
you've got Devontae Green, you've got Curtis Jones, you've got other guys. You, you can even slide OG over to the third guard spot if you want to. I mean, you know, there's other guys who can take his spot. And so it's a much different mentality. He's got to be engaged defensively, and he knows that. And, and See, I, 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 I disagree with that, I think, because I think because there's so many guys who play defense on this team, you can hide him easier now if he's not playing defense. And this team needs his is going to need his scoring. You can, and what I'm, but what I mean is that in a game where you need to get stops, I'm not talking about in general he's just going to be relegated to the bench. What I'm saying, like, if you're playing, let's say, Kansas, and you need to get a stop, and he's yeah. holding you back, he's going to find the bench. And, and and so yeah, you can hide him more against against teams that aren't going to just kill you and go straight at him. But yeah, late in the game, he's not going to be on the floor if he can't stop people, and so or at least provide something defensively and provide a lift. So I think that that is if James wants to be an NBA player, we all know he does, and that's his goal. He has to pick it up because he's not going to see the floor in key moments if he's not going to stop people. the The progress we've seen compared to last year and to his freshman year this year so far. I mean, I know it's two games. I know it's a practice that we watched. I know it's Hoosier hysteria scrimmages, whatever. But he just looks like at least he's trying and he's putting an effort in. And guess what? He's an athletic kid. If he tries and he puts the effort in on defense, he's going to be fine. Yeah. And I think the point is, you know, that with how he's playing, with how he played tonight, there's no need to hide him on defense because he really brought the effort. And so that's that's what's so great to see. Um, I, I want to talk about a couple of the newcomers uh, and get your guys' thoughts on the newcomers. So one, and we've touched on him a little bit, but Deron Davis, I mean, his stat line tonight is just phenomenal. Four points, two assists, couple of offensive rebounds, three steals. And the one thing that we know he's going to bring is block shots. He's the all-time leader in the state of Colorado. Didn't have any of those tonight. But he showed so much activity and instinctiveness on defense. I mean, we, we heard about his defense, um, but he really showed it tonight. And I tell you, we also got to get, to get our first glimpse of Freddie McSwain, who Max Bielfeld informed us broke the Indiana record for squat max. I think it was 415 pounds, one rep max on a bad knee. So clearly this guy has strength and athleticism. And Freddie McSwain currently rebounding uh, on a 40-minute uh, pace of 40 rebounds per 40 minutes because he had eight rebounds in eight minutes. And look, I don't know what Freddie McSwain is going to bring, say, in the half-court offense. I mean, I think half-court offense at a big college level right now is going to be too fast for him. But as a defender, as a rebounder, a guy to go in and do dirty work to play two or three minute spurts and give you hustle plays and rebounds and, and a, you know, a spectacular put back finish here, there. He showed me tonight a guy who can be useful in spurts. And I think that's what we wanted to see out of him. Uh, he showed that tonight. Anything, uh, Ryan, jump out for you on, on these two guys who are going to be really key parts of Indiana's front court depth this year? Yeah, I think McSwain is basically going to get, for this year, I think they can try and develop his offensive game you know, as he moves forward. But I think for this year, for the most part, they're just going to say off the bench when he goes in, hey, Freddie, go be athletic. You know, Just go out there, run the floor, uh, crash the boards. And also, I think that rebounding rate would be a college basketball record, but we're going to have to check on it. Uh, <laughs> but as for Deron Davis, he's just a guy who's everywhere. He is everywhere, and he's doing everything, and he's a good basketball player. He's not a good post player. He's not a good big man. He is a good basketball player. He's got a good-looking shot. Like He missed he a couple, does. but it's a good-looking shot. He does, and, and he is an all-around player. And if you go back to the recruiting show we did a few months ago, I highlighted that. The people just 
expect your 610 you're going to be a, if you're good you're going to be a good big man he's a good basketball player he's a smart basketball player he understands defense understands offensive rotations and and he just understands the way that the the game is played and he's very good and he's going to be a great Hoosier and and I think tonight you started to see more of it yeah he was two of seven from the field that needs to get better but he also made a couple of really nice moves around the basket he sort of uh you know drew contact a few times to get you know uh to, to sort of sucker guys in and move the ball around I just he's a very good basketball player and and as we see him mature and remember he hasn't been on campus that long as we see him mature get bigger I think it's going to be uh, uh he's going to be a big plus for this Indiana team yeah, you know, great seeing those newcomers. You know, when, when you have a class, and Brian makes a great point in our chat, you know, when you have a class of newcomers, you don't expect your newcomers, especially freshmen, to all contribute every night. You know, freshmen are going to have up and downs. Some matchups are better than others. You know, sometimes the mentality they bring to the arena is a little better than others. Sometimes, you know, their first run out there, good things happen and they get in the groove. They're freshmen. They're going to be inconsistent and up and down. But what you want to see is a class where every night, you know, one or two or three of them step up. Maybe the other ones don't. And I think we saw that tonight with Duran. Um, you know, we saw that with Freddie McSwain. I thought, you know, tonight, not a great game for Devontae Green. You know, he was spectacular in that first game tonight. You know, missed a couple of shots, had a couple of turnovers, never really found himself in the flow. Uh, you know, whereas Curtis Jones, you know, didn't shoot great. He was 0-3, missed a couple of threes, but found a way to get going. You know, he did uh, make a free throw. He had four assists, a couple of rebounds. And by the way, I finally figured out what uh, how the way that Curtis Jones runs it reminds me of like a miniature pincher or like a show dog, the way that he kind of runs and points his foot downward, like watch him. But then he will all of a sudden just explode with this burst of athleticism that just takes everybody by surprise. And Ryan, I think you made a great point. It's almost like he doesn't, he hasn't grown into his athleticism yet. Um, and he will as he goes. But, uh, but Will, what did you see uh, from, from Curtis tonight, uh, Devante, and, and even Grant Galon, who got in there and knocked down a couple of threes, which was nice to see. Yeah, I know. Uh, Galen at the end, you know, those couple threes is really nice to see considering that air ball, you know, those first game jitters, which, you know, definitely happened to all freshmen, as Max Bielfeldt said uh, during the game. But yeah, I thought he played well. Uh, Curtis Jones, um, there's a really good stretch that I like from him. Uh, he had three assists in three plays. The first one, he was running down the baseline. He kicked it out to Rojo, who drained the three. The next play, he had another good find with a running OG who ended up with the dunk. And then on the following play, he followed that up with a lob to TV who dunks that as well. So those three plays in a row for me uh, showed how just effective Curtis Jones could be in the offensive end, just creating you know, opportunities for other guys around him. He doesn't need to be that person to score, but he can also create opportunities for those players around him, the other four. And then you know, also looking at Green, I mean, he didn't have the stats like he did in the last game, but he's just so smart. Um, at one instance in the first half, I noted he got the ball in the baseline. He got a move to get inside with some good position, but he saw that two guys kind of came towards him. So he kind of took a second break and then he found an open TB for a dunk. So that's just great awareness. You know, he's not always looking to take the shot. And another instance, he's very calm. Um, he had the ball stripped, but he didn't panic and he stuck with it, which allowed him to keep possession. Uh, allowed the offense to reset. We didn't end up with points on possession, but you know, you at least gave the team another chance to do so. And then on defense, he's also like the majority of this team, just playing lights up defense, high effort, high energy, getting into passing lanes, active hands, all the good stuff. And he's just very good at the ball. I don't know. I'm falling in love with Green more and more. Very nice. Very nice. I like it, Will. <laughs> um Ryan, uh, real quick, Grant Galon, how impressive is it to see a freshman who airballed his first three-pointer come out tonight and drain two back-to-back? -to -back? You know, I, I 
I think I must be the only person that wasn't shocked that he airballed his first on it. Folks, it was his first game in Assembly Hall where the bullets were real and the lights were on and the fans were in the in the stands. It's it's okay to airball one. He he rushed it, forced it, whatever. Then we saw the real guy tonight, and uh, you know it was great. It was good to see for him. You know, sort of wipe those uh, bad memories off. But uh, that was yeah. It was there were two really nice shots in rhythm, and uh, the first one, as Will just informed me in our chat, uh, was from really deep and i couldn't remember if that was the first or the second one i got him confused but yeah was the no. first one that's the yeah. other one was from the corner yeah and 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 uh the kid just he can shoot he's gonna be a great shooter you know i don't know how much we'll see him this year but that's that's one thing he can do and he's gonna be good at it so i want to talk about thomas bryant he was out there doing thomas bryant things tonight although there was one glaring weakness for thomas that is going to need to get cleaned up and we're going to talk about that here in a minute uh, first, I do want to take a quick minute and just tell you why you should activate your free assembly call membership if you haven't done so yet. And here are three quick reasons. Number one, it's quick and easy. You go to assemblycall.com slash join. It will take you literally 15 seconds, maybe 16 or 17 if you're not a fast typer, but it's quick. Uh, number two, it's how you get our best content because by joining, you'll receive our weekly six banner Saturday IU hoops news roundups, as well as our detailed post game analysis emails. And you want to make sure that you're getting that content. So that's number two. And number three, it's the best way to connect with us and the assembly call community because only members can access our moderated post game live chat and discussion forum. So for those three reasons and more, you need to go to assemblycall.com slash join and get on there. Uh, and really, if you like what you're hearing here on the assembly call, becoming a member is just the next logical step. So join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join. All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. We are breaking down Indiana's 73-49 to victory over Bellarmine. I am your host, Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips and Will DeWitt. And Ryan, let's talk about Thomas Bryant's night. Um, it was, you know, the kind of efficient night. I mean, this looks like a box score ripped right out of last season. Uh, 11 points, 7 boards, 5 of 6 from the field. You know, an efficient night, you know, kind of would disappear for, for for times on offense. Indiana wasn't able to get him the ball. But then, you know, you saw uh, Devontae Green and Robert Johnson are two guys who come to mind that had great interior passes, uh, drove into the lane, were patient and, and uh, allowed time for Thomas to open up. He did and got dunks. But the four turnovers is a glaring mistake. And I think he was, you know, had the ball too low a couple of times. I thought Bellerman had a couple of smart doubles on him um, and came around the back end and were able to get steals. Uh, and also, you know, just a couple of uh, really poor passes out of the post for Thomas as well. What did you see from him? And what does he need to do to get that cleaned up? Well, I think the, the key is facing it more. Uh, I mean, last year he didn't face a whole lot of double teams until later in the year. And he was typically pretty good at finding the right guy, but he also had a guy like Yogi Ferrell directing traffic when he would do it. So I, I think this year, one thing that I think is a positive, and we saw a lot tonight, is that the team is looking to get him the ball a lot more actively uh, this year. And we've seen it in both the first two games. Just give it to him, let him work. What he has to do is focus on finding where the double team's coming from, securing the ball, not dribbling it, doing things like when the double team comes, you don't dribble out of it. You hold the ball you know, strong, either make them foul you or find the open guy. Those are your options. Do not sit there and, you know, dribble it or, or try and do anything cute with it. And the other thing, he cannot throw passes without looking. He did that a few times tonight where he just sort of assumed the guy would be open and kind of threw it in that direction. The thing about a double team is when the double comes, if a team's doing it right, they'll um, shift over. And so the guy you think is going to be open 
they'll have a, you know, a guy sort of sitting right there. And, and, uh, I think that, that, that happened to Thomas a few times tonight. He just needs to get better at realizing where the double team's coming from and how to beat it. It's an innate thing. It's sort of a sense that, that big men either have or don't. Um, and, and I think he has it. I saw him do it some last year, but I think that he just needs to get smarter and quicker about making his decisions and, and, and finding that right angle to throw the pass to. Tonight was, was not his best night at that. He made a couple good passes, but for the most part, he was a little confused when they were doubling him. And, and he's going to see that a lot this year. Ryan, I have a quick buy or sell for you. We have a comment in our chat from Hoosier Twan. It says, Luke Jimenez is almost as cute as Ryan Phillips. Are you buying or selling? Oh, it's totally selling. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this, I mean, this doesn't just happen. This gets put together, people. If you're listening on the podcast, Ryan is uh, motioning toward his face, uh, which he believes is beautiful. I, I will, uh, Clearly, everybody... <laughs> Um, hey, let's talk about Indiana's offense a little bit, um, Ryan, because you, uh, you know, we mentioned that there were times when the offense seemed to stagnate. And again, look, this, Indi- as I, I talked about on the halftime report, and by the way, we're doing our halftime reports this year on Facebook Live. So if you haven't liked us on Facebook yet, you can go to facebook.com slash assembly call, find us on there, like us, join us for the halftime report. You know, I mentioned on the halftime report that this is really going to be a team when, when it's at its best, it's going to be defense leading to offense. You know, guys overplaying passing lanes, being aggressive, you know, getting a long rebound and really pushing it quickly. We can see that that's a priority. That's when this Indiana team is at its best. And we saw at times in the half court, the offense bogged down a, a little bit. And, and I thought a lot of the threes Indiana took tonight were good ones. There were a few times where they kind of settled for threes and got out of really probing the defense and, and, and really trying to drive with purpose. Um, and that, that got them a little bogged down. And plus, there were some kind of crazy lineups out there. And so I don't want to overreact to it too much. Um, but just generally, what did, you, what did you see from the offense? And what are maybe one or two things that you'd like to see uh, uh, different or that need to be different for Friday night against Kansas? Well, I think that just uh, forcing shots. I think they forced a few shots tonight. Uh, and by a few, I mean a lot. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, they just, you know, again, with the with the lowered intensity of an exhibition game, you kind of get into that pattern. Uh, I think most of Indiana's points came off of breakouts. And and even if it was through the offense, it was off of a, a, a situation where they got out and ran a little bit, kicked it around, kicked it around, and wound up having a, having a basket. Uh, the half-court offense, at times just you're right it did bog down and and i think guys were sort of if we didn't get a shot in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock or 15 seconds they kind of felt like oh well i should just put something up here and and that's the wrong way to do things and it's the reason why bellerman had 32 rebounds tonight was because a lot of the shots were just you know bad decisions so i think that they just have to settle in and and not force shots. I think that's the key thing. They got some good looks that they missed as well, but I think that the key is, you know, don't take one dribble in from the three-point line and pull up and take a shot. There's no point to doing that. If you don't have a shot, move the ball. Uh, uh, dribbling, you know, one foot in and, and taking a shot isn't going to make your shot any better. So I think that there's just a couple things that they need to work out. And again, lowered intensity of an exhibition game, stuff like that's going to happen, particularly in the second half. Yeah, and I will say early in the first half when Indiana was missing shots, those were all really good shots. The offense was good. It was moving. Those were good shots. But as it as it kind of wore on, I think you're right that some of those shots um, were a little bit forced. Um, will, 
you've got some numbers for us, some interesting numbers, some ones that we kind of tracked from the Hope College game that we wanted to see how they, you know, if they would get better or worse tonight. What do you have for us? Yeah, we have a few that uh, got better for sure. Uh, for IU, the turnover percentage dropped. It's now at, at was at eight. It's now at eighteen point three percent, which. Knowing the history of you know the Hoosiers over the past couple of seasons, eighteen point three is totally acceptable and a number that I can live with. It's so much better than like the 26, 27 percent that we. That was the number for tonight. Eighteen point three for tonight. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, another a couple numbers as well. Uh, the assist rate was really good. Is about sixty six percent. Nineteen assists on the twenty nine made field goals, which again is good. It proves just how much the ball movement really was and how much they're just finding the open guy instead of just taking you know contested shots. And then another one as well is also the defensive rebounds. IU tonight had, oh, what number was that? There we go, 28 defensive rebounds, which is not bad at all considering the fact that they only allowed Bellerman to have nine offensive boards. And off of those nine offensive boards, another fun stat is they only allowed four second-chance points, which is showing really good recovery, You know, not you know, letting up on a play, even though the extended time on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, and that defensive rebounding rate was 75.7, which is a really good number. And it wasn't very good against Hope. But as we mentioned, Tom Cree even said before the game, we haven't even worked on defensive rebounding fundamentals uh, yet. So he was kind of suggesting they wouldn't rebound very well against Hope. They didn't. Rebounded much, much better tonight. A um, couple other just random thoughts that I had watching this game. Number one, you know, Bellerman came into this game with a guy named Rusty Troutman, who is one of the best players in Division Two. a guy who can score points. Uh, as Tom Crean said, he could play for anybody. And Indiana, over the last few years, not as much toward the end of last year, but certainly the previous couple of years, really seemed to give up big nights to opponents' best players. Never seemed to really be able to lock that guy up. Troutman tonight, only 10 points. He was 4 of 10. He made two threes. And I'm telling you, both of those threes, he's going to miss 90. Well, he's a really good shooter, but most guys are going to miss it 95% of the time because there were guys in his face. You just have to tip your cap to a guy who can make those shots. But it was great to see Indiana put the clamps down on an opposing team's best score. And they really harassed him, uh, made it a tough night for him, which is great to see. Um, and then, you know, Ryan, uh, Brian in our chat made, made a good point to me on Twitter earlier tonight, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. We've seen Indiana a lot in the past drive the baseline, uh, you know, and make a lot of passes on the baseline, a lot of times to guys over in the corner getting ready for a three-pointer. And, and as Ryan said, as I've noticed, Indiana – continuing to use the baseline to drive, but passing it more diagonally, which seems smarter since a lot of teams rotate more toward the baseline and the opening seem to be there more when you pass it diagonally. Are you noticing that and how big of a, you know, do you think that's some kind of adjustment um, or, you know, just kind of happenstance that we've seen that through the first couple of games? I think it might be that teams have realized that we do the drive the baseline kick to the corner. And so they overhelp towards the corner, leaving that wing position open, that diagonal uh, wing position open. The, the, while if you're confident in making that pass, it can be a very effective way to move the ball when you get bogged down driving towards the hoop, you know, sort of underneath the baseline. Uh, it can be a really tough pass to make if the defense is rotating properly. If not, it's a wide open guy almost all the time. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues during the season, if big 10 competition, if, if teams rotate more properly and, and don't pack into the paint and don't leave that angle open, what do guys do if they drive the baseline and the corners taken away and that wing position is taken away? Do we just stop seeing them drive the baseline? Uh, it, it'll be, 
I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens because that's not something you would go out and tell a guy, hey, look for that. But if it's there, it can lead to a wide open man. So it, it's kind of a tough play to make, but it's it, it can be a positive. And so it'll be interesting to see how teams adjust to that now because clearly Bellerman was trying to take away the corner on those drives. And, and it'll be, you know, I'm not sure if that'll be open for Indiana all year, but uh, you know it's 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 good that our guys are looking for the open guy instead of just throwing to a spot. I mean that that is a positive. Uh, last guy I want to talk about here before we move on to last call, unless there's anything else that you guys want to cover, is Josh Newkirk. I feel like he's kind of the one other guy that, that had a really good game tonight that we didn't cover very much. Uh, you know, six points, four assists, did not have a turnover, had a block and a steal. You know, was 0 for 3 from downtown. And I want to ask you about that, Ryan, here in a second. But we got a nice little nugget from Max Bielfeld uh, that Rob Judson last year coined the nickname Boost for Josh Newkirk, which seems like an awesome nickname when you see his ups. Uh, and we saw that tonight uh, with a dunk that Josh had. Um, but, you know, you're seeing the athleticism. And I... I tell you, with Newkirk, I was really concerned. You know, when we saw kind of the scrimmage and 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 the practice, his handle looked real loose. But in actual game action, he's been you know really solid, not turning the ball over. I thought Ryan Carraza on this week's film session inside the hall did a phenomenal job of you know pulling out some clips that really show Josh's court vision and his passing. I mean, he's you know there, there's a difference between just making a pass to a guy and making passes that set guys up for buckets. And Josh Newkirk's passes set guys up for buckets, and I've been really impressed with that. Um, so I want you to talk about that, Ryan, but also the 0 for 3 from downtown. Does he need to be taking those shots so that people respect him? And, and again, you know, he may be end up being a good three-point shooter. He was 40-plus as a freshman. But you know, on a team like Indiana with that has so many good options, does he need to pass those shots up and get it to, to other guys? Or does he need to take that so that people respect his ability to take it to keep the floor spaced? I think he needs to start making them because I think the well, teams teams will back off. Um, look, if if we're at midseason, he's shooting nineteen percent, then yeah, no, he needs to stop taking them. But right now, he needs to start hitting those shots. And and the problem is, and I've seen it in a couple of his shots early on, is he's hesitating as he's going up. You can tell he's thinking about it. He's not just firing off a shot. He is going up and hesitating. And that's you know as bad for a shot as anything, as a bad release or anything. Uh, he's just thinking about it too much. So, but I think you're right. He's 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 definitely a guy who can move the ball to the right people. I think I have been impressed with his ball handling as well. I think it's improved uh, from since we've been watching it. Uh, clearly these guys raved about him last year in practice. So I, I think that maybe some of the stuff we saw early on in the practices and everything was just, you know, a guy, you know, maybe not at his absolute best. Uh, people raved about him last year and, and his defense and his, his ability as a point guard. So uh, I think that we're starting to see what he can bring to the table. His athleticism, as you said, looks fantastic. He's got length. He's smart. He moves, he get, finds the right man with the ball and he seems like a willing rebounder as well. So all of those things are positives. I just think he needs to stop hesitating on his jumper. Yeah, and I mean, he's even really good on the defensive end. Let's not forget that. Early on in the game, he had active hands. He got a steal, and he was able to also, on top of that, get down and transition and get the open bucket. And then a couple of plays later, he had a pretty big block that you know led to another OG dunk. So those are two defensive plays that led to you know four Indiana points. So he's just not doing it, you know, at, you know, on, on the offensive end. Instead, he's also playing 
fairly well, fairly good defense that allows him to go ahead and set up some more of this offense. So I was very impressed with the Josh's ability on the defensive end as well. Something else that I that I, I really thought tonight is this really looked like a team that was in tune with its coach. Um, and, and I think that's really important early in a season when sometimes that isn't always the case. But when you think about the things that Tom Crean has been talking about that he's been keying on, you know, getting better at turnovers, communicating on defense, all of those things. Indiana did all of those things tonight. And I think that is a great sign heading into the game on on Friday night against Kansas that you know this really seems to be a team that you know the coach is saying something the team is going out and doing it and that is great to see and I'll tell you what it also seems to be a post game show that is in tune with its coach because as we look at uh, this quote from Zach Osterman here from the press conference Tom Crean says his biggest takeaway tonight was that James Blackman Jr never let shooting slump affect his rebounding and his defense which is exactly what we said right here uh, and you know another really important uh, point that Crean made let me find it here, is he basically said uh, he hopes the team, this is again from Zach, hopes the team learned the value of how defense kept IU comfortably ahead even when the offense struggled. And that is such a great point because Indiana for, for the last few years has been a team that can get out to leads and maintain the leads if the offense is clicking. But if the offense isn't clicking at an elite rate, you know, they would always kind of let teams back in until the defense got better last year. But tonight, even with the offense struggling, Bellarmine could never breathe. I remember in the first half, they didn't have a good look from three until the 19-minute mark. I mean, there was a guy always in somebody's face, always making it a tough shot, and that was so great to see. Uh, anything else you guys want to cover here before we move on to last call? Are we good? Okay, so we're going to get to last call here in just a second. Before we do, one more quick reminder that a great way to support the Assembly Call is by ordering your official Assembly Call t-shirt from HoosierProud.com. Go to HoosierProud.com and check out their selection of unique, stylish apparel that anyone with Indiana roots will love. Uh, and in addition, if you love our show, and it is a good way to support our show too because we actually get a portion of the proceeds when you buy our logo t-shirt. I think you'll really like them. Um, they did a really good job with them. Um, but don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY, again, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for 15% off your entire order, not just on the Assembly Call shirts, but your entire order at Hoosier Proud. Um, go there, do that. Again, the URL is HoosierProud.com. All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Will DeWitt. We have been breaking down Indiana's impressive 73-49 to 49 dismantling of Bellarmine tonight in the second of Indiana's two exhibition games with the big game against Kansas on Friday night coming up. Uh, I think it's safe to say this was about as good of a performance as you could have asked for, save for the shooting. You know, it might have been nice to see Indiana make a few more threes outside of OG, who did make three. Um, but I'm just going to take this as a good shooting team, had a bad night, and the law of averages will now be in our favor heading into the Kansas game. But, fellas, let's go to last call, and Will, we will go to you first. Nice. Well, going back to, you know, the beginning to the banner moment, I mean – I think, like you said, we saw everything that we were hoping to see out of OG tonight, and I'm excited to see how that continues moving forward, especially with you know the great competition that we're going to have next Friday night versus Kansas. We'll see if he can keep that up. Obviously, he might not be able to keep up that shooting pace because that's almost impossible, but hopefully we can see him keeping up those kind of numbers. And you know, really, I'm just excited to see what this Indiana team can do come Friday. And Looking at the defensive pressure, you know, throughout the majority of this game, I am excited to see what they can do with that. You know, they play lights out around the perimeter and also down low. They're forcing turnovers early and often, and they need to kind of have that kind of defensive mindset 
come Kansas because obviously we need to play some defense in order to help out with that. And then on offense as well, I'm just excited to see who the starting five is. But at the same time, I don't think it matters because like Tom Crean said, we're a positionless team. It's going to kind of change it up. And one thing I noticed tonight, which is uh, pretty nice, is that we now have the option to play small or play big, which at times you know can definitely be a factor both ways. So I'm excited to see how that all plays out next week. I would be absolutely shocked if it is not Robert and Josh Newkirk in the starting lineup, considering how they played uh, today to start both halves. Ryan, last call. As somebody who had to uh, <clears throat> sit in Maui and watch Indiana just completely play awfully last year, I'm really looking forward to them maybe exercising some Hawaii demons on Friday night. Uh, but, you know, let's just go get it. This is going to be fun. Uh, Kansas, I mean, it's really a nothing to lose game because it's so early in the season and Kansas is such a good team. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be fun just to watch this, these guys go out there, roll the ball on the floor and go get it. Uh, whether win or lose, let's let's judge them on how they play, and and uh, I think that this is the start of what could be a really fun preseason run that we don't often get to see with Indiana playing some really good teams, and uh, it'd be great come out and get a win early in the season. I agree, and and look, I think this is a really important game for Indiana. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for Indiana because, in a certain respect, it really is a no lose situation. Because if Indiana does go up and and lose to Kansas. As long as they don't get their doors blown off, it's not going to, no one's really going to look down on it because Kansas is a really good team. And that a loss like that certainly doesn't hurt you come March. But I will say that I think Indiana needs to take this opportunity seriously. And I certainly think that, that the team will. But I also think, you know, fans need to look at this realistically that with the non conference schedule Indiana has, there just aren't that many opportunities for. Uh, a, you know, wins that are going to look good on the resume. I mean, you've got North Carolina, Louisville, and Butler. So all of those games are obviously, you know, games that, that could be good ones for the resume. But that's really it outside of that. And the, 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 the sheer volume of cupcakes on the roster can really drag Indiana's strength of schedule down if there aren't some big wins to balance that out on the resume. And, and so I think Indiana is going to have to go up and knock off, you know, one, two, three of these teams that they're playing in the non-conference. I think this game against Kansas is a good opportunity to do that. It's a terrific Kansas team. Uh, it's a team that's, you know, facing some question marks just like Indiana is, just like all, even the really good teams are here early in the season. And, and so I think Indiana answered some of those questions tonight as much as you can uh, against uh, a, a, a really good Division II team, obviously, in Bellarmine, but not an elite team uh, you know, overall by any means. But again, you know, you see the growth from one year to the next with how Indiana, you know, played them a little bit closer last year, absolutely dominated tonight and dominated on the defensive end. And I think what we saw tonight more than anything else is maybe a little bit of a different character starting to emerge here for this Indiana basketball program. This is a program that has been so offensively driven for the last few years, and we've thought that this may be a team that's more defensive-driven, and if tonight is Indi any indication, that's going to be the case. But it's not you know, coming to the detriment. It's not like we lost so much you know, offensive personnel and we just don't have guys who can score anymore. OG and Thomas and James, I mean, and, and so up and down the roster, there are scores, but there are scores who can defend. And that's what really, I think, if you're an Indiana fan, should have you feeling really good heading into this season and heading into that game Friday night, uh, is this could really be a team that plays well on both ends of the court. And that's what you need to do uh, to win a Big Ten title and to make a run in March. Uh, and I think, you know, we're going to see. It's going to be a long season. It's going to be a roller coaster. There's going to be ups and downs. Uh, but I know I'm feeling good heading into that game on Friday night against Kansas. And I think all IU fans should be feeling good as well. 
Alrighty. Well, we appreciate you being here with us on this episode of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. It's a late start on Friday night. The Indiana-Kansas game tips at 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central time. Uh, but of course, no matter how late it ends, even if there's six overtimes, we will be here on the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show as soon as the game is over, breaking it all down for you. Hopefully, it is a victorious episode of the Assembly Call because there would be no better way to kick off a season of high expectations and with a big win over Kansas. We will talk to you all on Friday night. Till then, take care. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client. Class-leading rear legroom. Available Mark Levinson Pure Play sound system. And now, for the first time, all-wheel drive. If there's anything missing from the Lexus ES, it's you. The Lexus ES, now available with all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. 2021 ES versus 2020-2021 competitors. Information from manufacturer's website as of 7-16-2020. Mark Levinson is a registered trademark of Hartman International Industries, Inc. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.